0: Words almost fail me tonight. I'm so filled up being around you folks. I love God's people. I've never gotten over it, and I know you're the same. I've always loved going to church. I just loved it. As a little boy, I loved church. On Sunday night, we'd sing, and I'd be thinking in church, I've got to go to school tomorrow. I hate school. I hate it, but I like church. I love singing. I love sitting next to my mother and dad. Parents never let us sit between them. My dad said, I said one day, Dad, why don't you let us sit between you? And he said, because one day you kids are going to leave me and get married. I want to still be sitting next to your mother. And uh, I, just, uh, I just always enjoyed church. I can't say I was always perfect. I remember my dad taking me out. I think the year was 1954 and spanking me. And I was having a funeral, just thought of this, I was having a funeral, the man now that owns that funeral home uh, is a member of my church, one of my ushers, but I was having a funeral at that funeral home, and I said, you know, I've not had a funeral here before, it's in my home city about 25 miles away, 20 miles away. And I said, it's um, first time back here. I went to a church that was in an old schoolhouse built in the 1800s, but I remember that tree. I, I, I know that school's not there, but I remember that tree. I said, was well, there a school here one time? And the funeral director pulled out a, a, a photo album. And he says, was this the building? I said, yes, sir. And that was the tree where my dad spanked me right there. <laughs> but other than that experience I love going to church I love it now I love it I love it more than ever because it was about taken away from us these last two years and you all know we didn't experience anything you did not but when they'd come in Brother Cooper you know that when they'd come in and, and count people that we had and, and then every service turn us in And post a sign, $5,000, because you had church today, this morning, and tonight, and Wednesday night. You know, God uh, grew our friends like you that just stood. People like you sent us emails, cards, notes. And when you knew that God's people were praying... You know, sometimes you feel like you're an island all by yourself. That's the devil that does that. I tell you this country, we're a mess, but I tell you one thing we got going for us is God's people. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Don't buy into this stuff that that it's all over. I get to my message, but you know I believe, I believe that it's in the character of God. Before his return, and it may be tomorrow, but it's the character of God to send one more revival. Why? Because he's not willing that any should perish. And the next event after it would be the rapture and the tribulation. And he knows what's going to happen in the tribulation. And he'll know there'll be martyrs for the cause of Christ. After this, I, I beheld in all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues They stood before the throne, before the land, clothed with white robes and palms in the hand. Said, who are these? And whence came these? These are they that came out of the great tribulation. They'll be martyred for the cause of Christ. I really believe God could send one more revival. Sweeping across this land and around this world to see as many gathered in. Before the trump of God shall sound. For you that have been singing this week, God bless you. God's used you. It's wonderful to see. It's wonderful to hear. And the instrumentalists and the sound people, the sound has been great. And I imagine there's a nursery around here somewhere, but thank God they're not in here. <laughs> thank God for those ladies wherever they are. And I want to thank you preachers that are here for what you're doing in your areas. a preacher's wife. Oh my goodness, God bless the preacher's wife and the preacher's kids and two deacons that they don't know their task in life. Your task as a deacon is to be disruptive and ruin the church. You're to fight against the man of God. That's your job. You both are failing. I tell you, what a joy to hear deacons testify like that and to sing like that. I have deacons like that too. They warm my heart. And you men up here, all of you, I just feel you kids that are here, God bless you. Listen to your mother and daddy. They've already been where you're trying to go in life. Listen to your mom and dad. I said years ago in our college, I said, some of you boys, you better, I, I know you're training for the ministry. Most of you are going to make it, but some of you boys are going to rebel. And you're gonna, you better get used to a six by nine cell. Brother Ellis, I said, you better get used to it because that's where you're going to live, in a jail. A boy came up to me, real tall boy, said, Brother Treeber, God's God's got his hand on my life. I'm not going there. He's been there for several years now. And if you think just because you're from a good home, you're going to turn out right, it's going to have to become one day your possession, your faith. You kids, I I, I can't tell you how many good, good pastors and good pastor's wife and deacons and good Christians that raise kids up in church. Somehow along the way, their kids got with the wrong crowd and that wrong crowd, you, you Attention. Uh, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the godly, nor standeth away in the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. There's some kids, even at church, y'all ought not to hang around with. I had the privilege twice to go to a Prayer breakfast in Washington, D.C., and I heard, uh, and it, was, it, it yeah, I know they're all there, but it, uh, Mr. Trump was there speaking. I wanted to go, and I was invited by my congressman, so went. And at that table, what I was sitting was senators and different folks, and they had never heard of separation by church and state, what it really meant. Right. Yeah. And then I told them what it meant. It doesn't mean the church stays separate from you, you stay separate from us. <laughs> I explained it from the Danbury Baptist. Mr. Trump got up and said the same thing. A congressman turned to me, a liberal, Democrat, he goes, you just taught us that just a few moments ago. But Barry Black was preaching. He was the, he was the chaplain of the, uh, of the Senate in the House. Barry Black's a black man. He said, I grew up in the projects in Baltimore. Mother took me to church. I got saved. But I said, I want you to know something. One night, the boys came by the gang and they said, Hey, Barry, come on out with us. We're going out. And, and the mother said, You're not going, son. And they said, In my heart, I rebelled. And she took Proverbs 1, verse 10, not out the way of them, avoid them. Don't go, Barry. You stay home. And he said, I was so mad at my mom until that night I found out those boys killed a man that night. Wow. Amen. My life was spared yes, sir. because I listened to mother. And I don't know. I never thought about saying that, but I just so burdened by it. you kids. I love kids. I love kids. I just love children. Yes, sir. And I love you kids. I got to talk to several of you, and you're so polite, so good. Pastor, no words could express how grateful I am for you. God's used him at our place. What a powerful man of God. You know God's all over him. And you church, Bible, Baptist, you're you're privileged to have both pastor and his wife. And they got heart and they have soul. they got it all. They've got the love of God and they're normal. Thank thank you. You've not surrounded yourself with normal people, but... but, I have 15 messages I want to preach tonight. My first one will be only 30 minutes. Man, I tell you, you get to, I feel so inadequate because if a guy cannot preach after a meeting like this, he's got problems. And I'm wondering, Lord, what am I doing up here? But I'm here and God's blessed me for being here. I, brought, I don't bring my phone to church, but I brought it tonight and it's on off. That's where it should be. But I have it so I can see that clock. And I'm not good at a clock with, on a phone like this. I, I live in the Silicon Valley. All around us. Every computer company. All around us. You, draw, you put a dot where our church is and all around us is multi-billion dollar companies. It's an amazing thing. And everybody has a computer. I don't know, but I was trying to count the other day. I, I imagine we own somewhere between three and 500 computers at our place. We've, everybody has a computer. And I have no idea how to use one. And I'm not gonna ever learn. I'll tell you that right now. And I'm, I finally learned how to do texting. It's fun. I told my church the other day. It is great. But I, I, I told my church the other day, a man texted me here about a year ago, and I'm just learning how to do. And a man texted me. It was just. I said to my wife, you know, kind of, what he said was good, but then he said, lots of love. I said. I said, it made me feel strange. <laughs> you no, know, I mean, i, t- I tell Brother Gra- Gravity, I love you, Brother Gravick, I love you. But I'm not going to text you uh, lots of love. <laughs> and my wife said, that doesn't, it was an LOL? I said, yes, what's, what's he doing? She said, that doesn't mean lots of love. That means, and I don't remember what it means, it means... <laughs> I thought it meant laugh, or you're a loser, or something. I don't know what it meant. I I, I had a I had a problem with some account. I never I I pay my bills early. I've got A plus credit, but there was some problem. And I called a a company and I said, Now listen, there's a problem here. I've got to get this straightened out. He goes, Well, just go to the computer. I said, I don't know how to use one. He said, What? He said, where do you live? I said, the Silicon Valley, where they created. He goes, you don't know how to use a computer. I said, I have no idea. Well, go, go to someone that knows. Well, I didn't want to go to someone. I wanted to deal with it right there. Why did not to go to a computer? And, and, and so we got it all settled. I heard him. He did not hang up. So I didn't hang up. I heard him say, Judy. And here's, well, listen to this, and this is exact words. I just talked to a guy that was stupider than John. <laughs> stupider than John. You talk about a stupider guy, I'll tell you what, stupider than John. He doesn't even know how to turn on a computer. So I, I've got my phone here for the time. It's 512. Um, so I'll try my best to be done by 8:40 tonight. That's going to give me enough time. You're great people. I've enjoyed hearing Pastor Cooper. I get to hear him all the time, and you'll get to hear him yet this week. And he's been such a blessing to us. And uh, I thank God for younger men that are coming on the scene strong for God strong for God I had one of my staff members apparently it must be on the computer this service or live stream whatever and he said I heard you preach he said pastor this morning thank you for being a restrainer you know we lost something we lost Roloff brother Roloff I mean this with great respect you were a goofball His diet, all that he, he was just, he was goofy. And I can say that I knew him. He was just, who'd ever want to eat like he eats? (laughs) My goodness, he was strange. I tell you what, he was a man of God. And he he restrained us. These great old preachers. And and I'm no closer to them than you were, but they're all my friends. I have letters from all these men. In my files. You name the preacher that's home with the Lord. And I have his letter. Personal letters. Dear Brother Jack. Dear Brother Treber. Dear whatever. And they write me these letters. They're home with the Lord. We, we lost something when we lost those men. Restrainers. Amen. And thank God for you men that are around here that are older men that are restrainers. This young generation needs you. And you young generation, you remember Jeremiah 5. I will get me to the great men who have known the ways of the Lord. Amen. The great men doesn't mean that these white-haired men and bald-headed men and elderly men and women. doesn't mean that they're great like what we think. It means they're aged like Titus 2. I'll get me to the old fellows. Stop reading your peers.
1: Amen. Amen. Women,
0: women do that. Women do that. They're going to have a baby, so I talk to my girlfriend about Why are you talking to your girlfriend, ladies? Why are you talk to a girl that, well, she has one baby already. Well, she doesn't know diddly squat. Talk to an aged woman that knows something about raising kids. If you want to, you know something about church work, you talk to, this man's been around the block a few times. He's young, but he's, he, he's great. Talk to some men, that are seasoned in the Lord. And you boys, don't change. Don't, don't go down this modern road that you think it's going to work. You say, well, this is new. It's not. We used to have, before my generation, we had liberalism. We had modernism. We had orthodoxy. We had evangelicalism. We had new evangelicalism, 1948. Uh, we had contemporary. And now it's just design your own church and anything goes. And preachers, we need you more than ever. Uh, 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 The book of Exodus tonight, I I could just go on talking like that for a while, but I I won't. I I, I know there's a great preacher coming. I'm going to do my best to go quickly here. Let me see. 515. Okay. Uh, I've got my phone right there. That's great. How do you get rid of these texts? I don't want to see my daughters calling me. My daughter-in-law's calling me. Donald Trump is calling me. Hey, friends, you on those things. I get them about, oh, never mind, we won't even go there. They're asking for money all the time. Exodus 14. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Exodus 14, I'm sorry if I didn't tell you. That's the fourth book in the Old Testament. (laughs) Exodus 14. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they turn and encamp before Piharoth between Migdol and the sea over against baal before ye shall encamp by the sea. And Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel they are entangled in the land and the wilderness has shut them in. Father, please help me to help your people. I pray that I'd not be windy but, and not go off rabbit trails. I feel like I have a tendency to want to do that tonight. Keep me on text, please. Bless these dear people of God. I thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning I had the privilege to preach to you a message I never preached before. Tonight I've preached this many times. I preached it many times to myself. God gave it to me personally in a time of need about 20 years ago. I'm going to speak tonight on a word that's not in the text, but you'll see it. And when I tell you that one word immediately, you're going to apply it to your life immediately. Have you ever been in a point in your life... Have you ever come to a point you say no, what well, you have, where you're totally exasperated? When I give you the word, immediately it might be your job that comes to your attention. It might be your marriage right now. It might be your Christian walk right now. It might be your children. When I say the word, you'll say, that, that's, that's it. That's where I'm at, Brother Treber. It might, it might be your health. It might be your finances. Dear pastor, it may be something spiritual like your church. Right now. That's what I'm going through. That's what you, the one word I'm going to give you in just a moment. When I say it, I want you to think, How does that apply to me? You say, well, it doesn't. Well, then hang on, it will. You know, we built a huge building. And 17 years ago, last August the 20th, we moved into it. And this word came into my mind because previously, about three years before, God was using this thought. I never want to resign my church. I said, if I ever come to a point I want to resign the church, I'd write a letter of resignation and hold it a year and pray about it. And if for any time during that year, God made it unstable in my heart that it may not be the right, I'd rip it up. And if I felt like I needed it, I'd write it again and start the year over again. I'm not going to leave. I made that decision. I said to our church, it was just six months old when I went there 46 years ago. I said, if you'll let me come, I'll stay 50 years I hope I can make it. Maybe I won't. I don't know what God has. But I love pastoring. I know God created me to pastor. I know that's my job. That's my task. But you know, after we built that big building, you preached it in. And it's such a beautiful building. And it's such a preaching auditorium. And it's such a large place. It's just amazing. I look at the balcony that comes up over here and sweeps around the first balcony and the second balcony comes all the way around this balcony and then the five sections of the lower floor. It's just a beautiful place. And all of a sudden, this word came into my life. The word I'm going to talk about tonight, it drug me through a journey that was more than a week and more than a month and more than a year and more than five and during those five years, I felt like I had the breath of God. I felt like I had the power of God. But something happened to me. I don't know if it was the building. I do know that all of a sudden that huge building, I said, "Lord, what have I done? This is too big for me., has this ever happened to you? You have the thought that's going to be ready to, I'm going to give you the word. Have you ever felt in life that you're just simply, here it is, trapped? There's no way out. Can't go forward, can't go back, can't go to the left, can't go to the right. That's where the children of Israel are, right here. They were just totally trapped. You feel trapped with your prodigal son tonight, your prodigal daughter tonight? You feel trapped with that church right now, and you're just you're a standstill. Is it me? What's wrong? You feel. Listen, I'm not saying you have a bad marriage, but husband and wife, you love one another, but you're just trapped. Just trapped. I'd still pray with my wife every night when I was going through this trap, and I never told her. Maybe I should have. But we'd have prayers we do every night. I pray with her at nighttime as we get ready to go to bed. But I was so trapped. I had seasons where I could walk with God, He felt so close, and there were sometimes they felt so far away. And I know sin does that, and I had to evaluate: is there sin that's keeping me away from God? And I had to say, I don't believe it's sin. I just believe that I'm trapped. Yes. I read the scripture to you, and here are the children of Israel, their leader, is gonna lead them out of this bondage and they come and they turn. God turned them. Whenever you're feeling trapped, God has turned you. God's allowed it. Oh, I know sometimes we trap ourselves, but nothing touches me with, that's filtered through the hand of a holy God first. God turned them and the kept and there they were. And Pharaoh said of the children of Israel, as he's pressing on them, they are entangled in the land and the wilderness has shut them in. They're trapped. They can't go forward. The Red Sea is there. Not enough time to build a bridge. They can't turn around because we're pursuing. They can't go to the right. These two million Jews are to the left. They're just totally trapped. This is such a powerful text that it's the most quoted text throughout the Bible, throughout the entire Word of God. Joshua texts... Uh, talks about this experience. Nehemiah talks about this experience. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, Ezekiel talks about the spirit at uh, this situation and Jeremiah does and Daniel does. And I might say Isaiah does, and Job does, and Habakkuk does, and the book of Acts does, and Deacon Stephen, he preached about this experience, this Red Sea experience. And may I say that in Corinthians it speaks about it, and in the book of Psalms it speaks about being trapped. More reference to this text in the Bible than any other text. So it's very, very serious. Are you trapped tonight? Well, I've been trapped in my life. I know it's a dangerous time to try to make a decision. Because when you're trapped, when you make a decision, your life is going to pivot from that trapped decision. You better be careful. I came to Bible college in 69. I was in Bible college. I loved it that first year, but I was only going to give God one year and then I'm going to go to Vietnam and be a Marine, I thought. God wouldn't let me go. And that sophomore year, my draft notices kept coming. And 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 in February, a fellow left in the middle of the night, a student. And the next morning, another fellow left. And I said, "I'm done. I'm not going to stay in college. I'm going to Vietnam." I'm a stutter. I'm a stammer. I get embarrassed. I can't speak in front. I'm not. I'm not staying here. My favorite professor was leaving to go to another college. I'm not staying. I went to, I think Music Theory, theory 3 was the class at about 7.15 in the morning. And I came back to my room. Everybody else, I did it every morning. They all left for the second hour. I go to my room and have a prayer time and a Bible time. And that day I was in Jeremiah chapter number 12. And I decided that this afternoon I'm getting out of here. I'm leaving. And I read, if thou hast run with the footmen. And they have wearied thee. How canst thou contend with the horses? And I took that verse and I said, Lord, if I can't make it in Bible college, I'm not going to make it in Vietnam. That's
1: right. yeah.
0: And I determined that day I was going to stay. Little did I know that uh, it was either that day or that. I've got the letter still, stated February 17th, that a preacher wrote me. He said, Jack, we want you to come and be our music director on the weekends for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and be our janitor, and be our bus director while you're finishing your school. I wonder if you could come and candidate on March that he gave me the date. You know, had I pivoted my life for my decision, to go somewhere else. I would have met that man. By the way, that man pastored his same church 57 years. He buried his wife at age 45 and had eight children. And one of those eight children became my wife. He became my father-in-law. You know, if I would have pivoted my life to go to Vietnam, I would have missed out on the best decision of marrying God's will for my life. I would have missed out the ministry because that preacher, he knew the word of God. He'd go through the word of God. And and I was raised in a little bit more as a Baptist church, of course, but a little bit more. We started every service with the doxology and robes and I love it, no problem with that. Gave me the old great hymns of the faith but I went to his church up in Illinois and the people from the south had been migrating up there to get jobs in the factory and I heard that quartet singing with microphones. We never had microphones in our church and I heard them singing in microphones and I said, wow, I like that music. My toe taps with that, my hand automatically goes up and I like that music. Who'd ever think I'd like rock and roll? (laughs) I'm on the rock and my name's on the roll, right? I loved it. He'd stand in the pulpit and preach and hit the pulpit. And I love that. Yeah. Invitation, he'd come and he'd start weeping at the invitation. Oh, I remember, Cletus is coming forward. I've been praying for Cletus to get saved. And here comes Cletus. He got happy in the invitation. Yeah. Boy, I tell you, it was exciting. I'd have missed out. Yes, sir. Your life is going to pivot for the decisions you make.
1: That's right.
0: So I want to leave you with this thought. When trapped. Three words. Look at what it says. Verse 13. Moses said unto the people, What's the next three words? Ready? Begin. Fear ye not. Moses said to the people, fear ye not. Fear is the opposite of faith. And when I have faith, I don't need to have fear, and when I have fear, I don't have faith. God says, "Whatsoever our faith is sin." The just shall live by faith. Above all, take the shield of faith. Get all the armor. But above all, don't forget faith. Above all, put that weight at the top. Well, what about this? What about I know? But above all, God's word said two words: above all, make faith. Hey, you you cannot pastor without faith in God that God can still do the impossible. That God could be revival to your state, to your city, to your area, and to mine. Wicked California, yes, and wicked Georgia and all these other states. God can still change our churches. What we're seeing here, and the shout, and the revival, and the testifying, that can be back home at your church. Say, so I don't have a penis that they can play like that. Well, pray one in. God honors faith. Fear not. We're told there's 365 fear nots in the Bible. One for every day of the week. Fear ye not. Don't fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and a might, have a sound mind. We cannot, we cannot pastor a church. We cannot be a husband. We cannot be a mama or a parent without walking by faith. Faith is a victory. Oh, it's a victory that overcomes the world. Three words. Say the three words with me. Ready? Begin. Fear, yea, not, no, do it like we do it in California, will you? I know everybody thinks we're all liberal out there. Look, I have 41 godly deacons. Four of them have orange hair and three have purple hair. and They all have earrings in their ear and, and necklaces and all that. I know that, I know. That's what we think all the California people are, I know. But I have 41 godly men. And that church can give a shout like this church can. Would you say it like you would say it in California? There's three words. Where are they? Fear, Fear ye not. By the way, there's two words. Fear ye not. What's the next two words? Ah, uh, don't, You don't have to be loud with that. I don't like that one. I'm not a standstiller guy. I'm stupider than that. <laughs> stand still. I don't want to stand still. You know, I either want to build a building or tear one down. And we've torn down several buildings. Our our first big little building back in 76, I built a 4,000 square foot educational building. And then I remember, got it all up and I got this idea about building a 32,000 square foot building. But I had to tear the 4,000 down. And, And they said, they said, uh, That building's beautiful, but what about the the building we have? I said, well, we'll tear the auditorium down, and then we'll build around it. A few years later, I came, and we had it built around there. I said, now we've got to tear that one down to enlarge the auditorium. You know, that's a case of the stupids right there. I don't want to stand still. I would pray for 31 years, Lord. Lord, would you give us some land? We had one acre with 38 parking stalls and for the first 25 years we grew by 100 every year and if you're a member of our church you could not park near the church we had you parking at schoolhouses and everywhere we'd shuttle you in you could get a, a seat in that house we'd have the early service the contemporary rock and roll service we had the early service of shouting and preaching I would have Sunday school and then the morning service and then two services at night and overflow. And they—if you didn't come to the second service, you knew you weren't going to get a seat in the first service. And the old building had balconies up, but had a horseshoe. People would put, put, uh, saving their spot on the on the steps going up the balcony. We brought more chairs, we put chairs in, put them down the side, put them in the front. Hardly could give an invitation, brother Ellis. You probably remember that building. And I'm telling you something—it was on. Oh, I tell you what. I'm so thankful that that God made me wait and made me wait. I thought, well, by now we'll have about 31 years we waited. And I know this is not going to sound like a lot. God gave us six and a quarter acres a few blocks away to add to that seven acres in the heart of the Silicon Valley where there's not an acre left around us. They're tearing down beautiful, gorgeous buildings that cost millions to build high rises around us. It's an amazing thing. We have prime property. I won't even begin to tell you what it's valued at because you would not believe what it's valued at. I'm saying this. It took 31 years of fasting and praying. Our church would begin fasting on Wednesday night at the evening meal and we'd fast Thursday, Wednesday night, and all day Thursday and Friday morning about noon we'd eat. We did that for years. Yes. I'd walk around this property we have now. I said to the owner, I know you won't let us park our cars here, but could I walk around here like Jericho? I said, I'd like to pray about this property. We need it. I could tell you how we got that property by a miracle. They had an offer of 9.6 million on it. They said, Pastor, you just missed out. I offered them 4.5. I didn't have a dime. <laughs> Their 9.6 fell out of the contract, and a year later. A year later, they said, what, we, we can sell it to you. You offered four, five, 4.5, now it's gone up. What you going to offer? I said, 3.5. <laughs> we were in the meeting. That's now our media room area, and, and conference room. And we were in that meeting, and the lawyer, the, the man we are dealing with, was a Christian. And, and I said, we can give you three. And the lawyer got upset, swore. Didn't, lie, didn't sit well with the owner. He goes, we'll take $3 million. He said, how much are you going to put down? I said, I don't have a penny to put down, but I'll give you a dollar. <laughs> he said, I'll take a dollar. The lawyer swore on what happened there, and he got upset. He said, now, who's going to finance this thing? I said, well, I'm going to ask you to finance it. We, we, no bank's going to give me a loan. Yeah. <laughs> The lawyer got upset, and he goes, okay, we'll do it. He said, when can you start making payments? I said, 16 16 months from now, we're going to start a college. I can start 16 months from now. The lawyer got upset. He said, okay, we'll take that. (laughs) Sometimes you just have to wait. Don't make a decision when you're supposed to wait. Wait on the Lord again. I say, wait, be still and know that I am God. Three words. What are the three words? Three things. What is it? Fear ye not. Two words. What are they? And one word. See. You watch. You watch when you're trapped with God. You watch. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Three, two, one's carried me through these last 20 some years sometimes they get stopped they get trapped no way out and i have to say fury not jack i know that's four words but fury not son i know that's four too i said fury not stand still lord i'm so tired of standing still but i want you to stand still and number three the one word see look at the last verse to save time well in the in the chapter Israel and Israel and Israel the great work with the Lord did they were trapped but three two one three fear ye not three fear ye one more time three fear ye not two words two words
1: Yes.
0: What word? See. Hey, I'll tell you three, two, one—it works. Yes. When you're trapped, be not dismayed.
1: Whatever be tied, God will take care of you. You know that song? Beneath His wings of love abide. God will take care of you, here it is, God will, that's good Georgia singing right there, through every or to the bank
0: I tell you what preacher 321 has helped me so much and then I've watched God do it I know my God can do it our heads are bowed our eyes are closed pastor tonight I wonder if you're feeling trapped are you trapped you watch when you're trapped and most of us are trapped with something you watch when you're trapped and there's no way out there's no way to get that prodigal son home. There's no way. You can't do it, but God can. God can help you. I'd like you to use the altar in the moment, Pastor, to come. Maybe you're trapped at your work at the church there. Maybe you're trapped with your bus ride, your Sunday school class, your pulpit. You're going to look back. You know what, Pastor? COVID. I'd preach in that empty 3,000-seat auditorium, Brother Cooper, with others? You know, I look back now, I watch God do some wonderful things. God's always given us listeners around the world, but when you had them stand tonight, you don't know how that helped me. God raised up an army of prayer warriors, and I cannot thank you enough. When we walk with the Lord, in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. Trust and obey. That song was written. He goes, I don't know how I'm going to do it at a meeting just like this. But he said, I'm going to trust and I'll obey
1: Pastor.